0: fathers we've sang that old hymn we know its truth is still real that this world despises the cross of your son it is foolishness to a world that is in rebellion against you and yet in Christ we see your wisdom that he is our righteousness he is our holiness he is our redemption and it is through the cross that you have brought salvation to a lost and rebellious world. And so, Father, even as identifying with Christ can cause us problems, would you strengthen us this day that we would stand fast in him? We ask this in his precious name. Amen. What would it be like to be surrounded by a hostile society, a society that's hostile to the Christian faith it's not true of us here in the UK but it is true in other places in the world Ali lives in Nigeria and uh, he became a Christian in 2012 a Christian friend uh, invited him uh, to well introduce him to uh, the gospel and subsequently he attended a church he started doing some Bible studies and he became a Christian uh, in uh, December 2012, where he also got baptized. His wife was strongly opposed to his newfound faith, and uh, she decided in June last year to leave him and to take their seven year old girl with them. And at this stage, she refuses to let Ali see their little girl. And he's received a lot of death threats for apostasy, uh, leaving is previous Islamic faith and becoming a Christian. A study recently came out of uh, what's happening in India. And in 2013, about 4,000 Christians have been targeted in acts of violence because of their faith, um, mostly because of Hindu extremists. Uh, About 1,000 women have been uh, impacted through this, about 500 children, uh, children. More than 400 churches uh, and uh, community leaders have been targeted. It documents uh, over 200 uh, major incidents of anti-Christian violence, murder, rape, and brutal assault. Last month, in a church service in northern Nigeria, Boko Haram militants uh, came and killed about 138 people. The attackers descended on the church in Wada Chakawa village in Adamawa state as the service on the 26th of January this, uh, this year was coming to an end. They were armed with AK 47s. They killed the two police officers that were guarding the building. They locked the congregation inside. They threw in bombs and shot and cut the throats of those who tried to escape. That was a few weeks ago in northern Nigeria. And so if we were to fly to Nigeria or to India or to Algeria and meet Ali these people who are experiencing real violent persecution and opposition for their faith how would you minister to them? What would you say to them? It wouldn't take long on a plane to get to these places what would you say? Well, an important place I think that we'd have to turn would be to First Peter chapter 4. And I'd like you to open your Bibles to page 1,220. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 12 to 19. 1 Peter chapter 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. There are three main things that Peter writes here to encourage Christians not to walk away from Jesus, but to stand fast in their faith in the Lord Jesus, even in the face of suffering. Firstly, he says, do not be surprised. Verse 12, dear friends, do not be surprised at this painful trial that you're suffering. Now how did you feel when I shared about those stories of, of Ali, uh, of the p- folk in India, in Nigeria? Were you, were you shocked? Were you surprised? Well, here, here's a big shot from Peter. Don't be surprised when you experience things like that. This is not unusual. This is nothing strange for Christians to experience. Now in modern day Britain, we don't experience this violence and and this hostility, but it is going on around the world. And it's actually been a fairly recent thing in our time where we've had this time of peace. It's only really been in the last 300 years. If you go to Greyfriars Kirk, you'll see the Martyr's Memorial there that speaks of how in this city, uh, people were hung, uh, Christians were hung, had their heads chopped off and stuck on poles around this city. So it's not that far away in historical terms now why should we not be surprised at suffering and the answer is this because Jesus suffered that's the simple answer we shouldn't be surprised that we suffer as Christians because Jesus Christ suffered now you see kind of an illustration of this a pattern of this in the Old Testament, that's why I read from First Samuel chapter 22. There's King David. He's the oh, well, he's not king actually. He's the anointed king. He's the he's the king elect because God had rejected the king who was in power, Saul, because of his disobedience. And how did Saul feel about this? Saul was not happy. The man wanted to retain power and authority. He didn't want this upstart king to displace him. And so. David, even though he was God's chosen one, he was the anointed king, David was forced to flee and he suffered much opposition and persecution and he ran from the king. He was running around the place, hiding in caves, running through the hillside on the run from King Saul. And you know what? Those who identified themselves with David, they experienced exactly what David was going through. Those who are willing to identify with David suffered and even lost their lives because they stood with the anointed king. Now that's the picture and that's the reality. The truth is we're living in a world that is um, in rebellion against God. And when God came in human flesh, in Jesus uh, of Nazareth, uh, what did they do? Well, some accepted but not many. Most rejected and he was uh, persecuted and he was tortured and he was crucified this is what we did when God came in human flesh and so it should not surprise us then that a world that is in rebellion against God if we identify with that Christ who was rejected we too will experience rejection and opposition now I'm glad that we live in better times in Edinburgh and and people are very polite about Christians and about Jesus, but if you should press the point to people that Jesus is God's promised king, that all should owe their allegiance to, that all should obey, and that if they're disobeying Jesus and disobeying God's word, they are in sin, and they're rebelling against God, and they should repent repent of the choices that they made repent of their lifestyle repent of their sin and acknowledge Jesus and if you were to press that point what sort of reaction would you get? well I would say we're going to get a lot of hostility and you're going to discover it's not that far under the surface so don't be surprised says Peter if you're sharing Christ's suffering don't be surprised but rejoice that's what he says verse 13 but rejoice rejoice that you're suffering how does that work how can you rejoice when you're suffering what reasons are there for rejoicing in the midst of suffering well there's at least two reasons here firstly suffering now is a proof of future glory suffering now is the proof of future glory So verse 13, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. The Bible says that Jesus will come again, and this time in full glory, and He's going to bring in His everlasting kingdom. And all who in rebellion against this King uh, will be judged and removed. And... If you think back to the the story of David, it must have been tough to be identified with David. It must have been tough to be on the run with David. But what a joy if uh, we'd identified with David in his suffering and his marginalisation and his opposition. When David came into his kingship, what a joy to be one of his faithful ones. The day that he came into his kingship and he was ruling was a day that. You entered into his glory. You entered into the the privilege of one of his uh, seasoned and trusted people in his kingdom. It would have been tough um, to have been part of the resistance uh, in France when the Nazis were in charge. But what a joy when the allied forces of Britain and America landed on the beaches in France and they took the territory. Because those who suffered for the sake of of, of opposing the Nazi rule, when when the Allied forces came in, they were the honored ones. They were the ones who rejoiced, weren't they? And so Peter says, start rejoicing now if you are suffering because it is a sure sign that you will enter into His glory when He returns. And then the second reason he gives is... uh, Suffering now is the evidence that God's blessing and God's glory is on you now. That's what he says in verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Think about this. To to be participating in the sufferings of Christ means that you are with Christ. You're with him. And there is great joy in that. To be identified with Christ means that I am with Christ, the one in whom uh, all God's richest blessings are. Uh, the reality is that uh, we, we experience suffering, and sometimes our instinctive thought is well, something's going wrong. Why am I suffering? What have I done to deserve this? I don't deserve this. Things are going really badly if I get thrown into prison. Things go really badly if people are mocking me and and, and I'm being passed over for the next uh, uh, job step up. Things are going really badly for me. But no, actually, Peter says we need to change the way that we think. If our suffering comes because we're identified with Christ, then actually that means we are blessed. Because we are with Christ in whom all blessing is. And the truth is, if you are standing with Christ and suffering for Christ, then God's Spirit is with you. The Spirit of glory. The Spirit of God is with you. And so rejoice. If you're suffering for Christ now, rejoice. It means that you are with Christ. You are blessed in Christ, and you will participate in that future glory. And the suffering is the mark that you're the real deal. You're the genuine article. Now, does that sound realistic to you? Does that sound realistic? Well, we should note that this is exactly the experience of Christian believers right down through history. Peter, who wrote this, was the very one that we read about in Acts chapter 5, who was arrested and uh, was uh, arrested for preaching about Jesus in Jerusalem after Pentecost he was brought before the ruling uh, religious authorities who'd been responsible for crucifying Jesus and it says they, they called the Apostles in they had them flogged and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go and the Apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy Of suffering disgrace for the name or in Hebrews chapter 10 you can read about uh, at the end of the letter the reason that he's written this letter and he says this to the Christians who had been suffering remember those early days after you'd received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering some of you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. They joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property because they know they had something better with Christ. They had Christ. Uh, John John Stevens has written a very interesting article about the, the floods in our nation and uh, how it's revealing the idolatry of of our nation. You know, it's it's absolute pandemonium because houses are being lost and people are being interviewed and they're saying, I've lost everything. And the tragedy is that people believe that. If you've lost your house, you've lost everything. And that means your house is your idol. To lose your house and your stuff because you have Christ, is not loss, is it? You have Christ. You have a better possession, a lasting inheritance. And therefore you can rejoice. So don't be surprised at the fiery trials, he says, but rejoice. Secondly, he says to these people, don't be ashamed. Verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even a meddler... However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. See, there are times and there are places when becoming a Christian uh, is seen as something shameful. Just think about Ali in Algeria. It's caused such shame that his wife has left it. Uh, I've had the privilege of meeting um, Afghan men who grew up in Islamic families, who have become Christians, and it was a great act of bravery to do so, to identify themselves uh, with Christ in a, in, in a culture where everyone's got a Kalashnikov. I've met Jewish people who have become convinced that Jesus is their Messiah and been willing to take the name of Christ by identifying themselves as Christians. And in, in all those cases, do you know what parents and brothers and sisters have said when they've become Christians? You've brought shame on the family. You've brought great shame. And in fact, in some cases, the family said, uh, you are as good as dead to us, and you better run because we're going to try and kill you. Well, that's the context. And it's hard for us to imagine being in a situation where identifying with Christ could uh, be seen as an act of betrayal to families and community and the country, but there are countries like that. But even in Scotland now, to hold certain Christian values is to seem to be something of a, of a shameful bigot, isn't it? That's the culture that we're in now. And now, uh, verse 15, it tells us that we should have an honest evaluation of why we're suffering. Um, there's no glory in suffering as a Christian murderer, or a Christian thief, or a Christian evildoer, or a Christian meddler. God's not glorified in that. But God is glorified If we persevere as Christians in the face of unjust suffering for Christ so Peter tells these Christians this badge of suffering is not a badge of shame it is a badge of glory for you are bearing the name of Jesus Christ and God is glorified when we stand firm in the face of suffering and don't give in and the reason why uh, we shouldn't be ashamed is there in verse 17 and 18 for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of god and if it begins with us what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of god and if it's hard for the righteous to be saved what will become of the ungodly and the sinner now in this english translation, it's kind of a bit hard to wrap our head around what's being said here but in essence it's saying this don't be ashamed to suffer if you bear the name of Christ because you are standing amongst those who are going to be saved. And it's important for us to realize that in coming to Christ, we are not saying to, we shouldn't be saying to people, come to Christ now and your life's just going to get better. You're going to prosper. Uh, your relationship's going to get better. Your wife's going to love you more. Uh, Your kids are going to obey you. Your business is going to do well. Life's going to be great when you come to Christ. Do you see how ludicrous it would be to say that in the light of what we're reading here? What the promise of the gospel is, if 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 you come to put your trust in Christ, you may suffer now, but you will be saved on the final day of judgment. That God's wrath and judgment is coming upon the world that's in rebellion. And to actually be suffering for Christ now means you're standing amongst the saved. The righteous who will be saved. And if it's tough, if God allows difficult and tough things to happen to Christians now, what will the day of judgment be for those who've openly mocked Christ and rejected Christ? And abused Christians. That will be a terrifying day. So don't be ashamed. And remember, he tells us, what is this suffering for as Christians? Uh, when we use see the word judgment, we kind of thinking about negative judgment. Actually, the word is more um, that language of the um, of the furnace that's purifying. That's what he said back in chapter 1, um, 1 verse 6. In this, you greatly rejoice, though, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Don't be ashamed to suffer for Christ when the heat is on, because this is a time of God's purifying work. And it is those who come through such suffering, in their faith, that show that they are amongst the saved, they're genuine believers. And they will stand on the final day of judgment amongst the redeemed. That's what he's saying. Now, I have a friend who... Um, when he was, when, he, when I knew him, he wasn't a bishop, but he's since become an Anglican bishop in Nigeria, and he told me once that uh, there are more Christians in the south of Nigeria, well, in the south of Nigeria, and the churches are quite full, but their their commitment to Christ doesn't always show itself in the rest of their lives, in the rest of their workplace. This is his comments, not mine. But in the Muslim north, where persecution is a very real threat, the, the, the churches are full of clearly converted disciples and it's in the north that the churches are actually growing more than in the south and why is that well because persecution purifies god's people you don't bother attending church if you're not a true believer when suffering comes do you it's not that important to you if it benefits you you'll go but when it stops benefiting you if you're not a real believer you're basically going to give up and persecution clarifies what's most important in life and if God allows suffering amongst his people what will God's judgment be like for those who do not obey the gospel remember what Peter said uh, what Jesus said uh, he said if you're ashamed of me and my words in this sinful generation The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. So the question is, who who are we going to allow to shame us? Are we going to choose to be shamed by this culture that's passing away? Or actually, are we willing to bear the shame of standing with Christ, knowing that he will not be ashamed of us when he returns? So don't give up your confidence in Christ don't be surprised don't be ashamed what's the answer what are you supposed to do verse 19 keep entrusting your soul to God look at verse 19 again so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good so we might be suffering for doing good for standing for Christ The answer is not to stop doing good, but to entrust ourselves to God. It is. I mean, it's hard to imagine what it must be like for neighboring churches in that state of Nigeria to know that only a few weeks ago, these uh, militant terrorists uh, came and did that to that church. And you must. What, what must you be thinking? You must be thinking, well, are we next? Will we be beaten? Will we be tortured? Will we be killed? And what Peter would say to us, to them, is this. Commit yourselves to a faithful God. This word uh, commit or entrust, is a beautiful word in the original language. And it has this sense of giving something precious to someone for safekeeping and he's saying entrust the most precious thing your soul to god do you think you can take care of your own soul can you take can you take charge of all the responsibilities of your life no we can't that's why we're anxious that's why we're fearful so he says well keep entrusting the most precious thing your soul to a faithful god the creator god remember, this creator created everything out of nothing just by speaking words. Do you think he can keep you safe? Keep you safe even in death? He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living, said Jesus. He can keep us safe in death. Don't fear those who can just take your body. Fear those who can take your body and soul. Where did Peter learn this? Well, he learned this from watching and hearing Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said upon the cross? He used this exact phrase. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He entrusted his soul to the Father, even in death. And then he breathed his last There's worse things to happen to us than dying. And that's what we need to remind ourselves. Cancer's not the worst thing. A heart attack's not the worst thing. Losing your home's not the worst thing. When we truly grasp that our living hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead... Then we can truly face life in its suffering and its persecution and its opposition with courage and hope and even rejoicing. Would would we stand firm if we lived in North Nigeria? Are we standing firm here? Maybe there's some people here today and and you're surprised about how hard it is to live for Christ. You've experienced some shame, some mockery uh, for being a Christian. And the sad truth is I've known those who've begun to show an interest in Christ and then they've begun to be mocked by maybe spouses or family for their interest in the Christian faith. And that was just enough for them to walk away from Christ. Don't be surprised it's tough, Peter would say. Don't be ashamed of people's negative reactions. God's spirit of glory is upon those who stand firm in the face of opposition. Instead, commit your soul to your creator, God. Let's pray, shall we?